0: We're gonna get the call here. We're
1: getting- All right, guys, welcome back for another episode here at Rangers Review. Um, big week for the Rangers going without David Quinn. And then with David Quinn, um, gained a couple more games to not walk beyond the bench, at least as the actual head coach. Then when Quinn came back for the last game, he was still there as an assistant. But an eventful week for the Rangers. We have plenty to talk about, a lot more than I initially anticipated regarding a trade that we all know by now in particular. But before we get into any of that, Stephen, how are you doing today?
0: Um, doing okay. I watched uh, Nils Lunquist's last regular season game a few hours ago. How do you do? Um, interesting. He was in the penalty box for 12 minutes, hit from behind. Um, <laughs> so he wow. got two minutes and 10 minutes game misconduct. But I think Lulia scored four goals while I was in the penalty box. Okay. So he came out of the penalty box smiling. Um, but, you know, just uh, to start off before we get into the range of stuff, His regular season's over now. um, And his numbers, his career numbers are
1: amazing. I mean, in comparison with other Swedish uh, defensemen that we know
0: in the NHL. In SHL history, but also uh, this season. Mm -hmm. um, Like career all time among uh, defensemen uh, age 20 and younger. He ranks first in points all time with 78. Second in goals with 30. Wow. Um, career single season first in goals with 14 second in points with 32 Uh, this season uh, on his own team uh, ranks first in goals, second in points as a defenseman, as a 20 year old defenseman and in the SHL amongst all defensemen, first in goals and sixth in in points. Again at age
1: 20, that's pretty good
0: Um, That's that's
1: awfully impressive
0: Yeah, playoffs start now um, and People are probably going to ask, and I've had some questions about it today already, so I'll bring it up here as well. Nils Lundqvist mm-hmm. is contracted to both Lulia and the Swedish Federation as a national team player. Correct. So once his team is eliminated from the SHL playoffs, the Swedish Federation has the choice to keep him on under contract until the World Championships or release him so he can sign his entry-level contract. Um, it depends on what Nils Lundqvist wants to do. In the past, players have requested a release from the national team to sign their entry-level contract in the NHL. So I don't foresee an issue if he requests that. But um, I also wouldn't be surprised if he wants to play in the World Championships. You know, he's played in the World Juniors a couple of times. Uh, The World Championships is the highest level you can play with your national team aside from the Olympics. So it's, uh, it's, it, it would be pretty cool for him at age 20 to, uh, to play in that tournament. If that's the case, he would be uh, released after the tournament, which is mid-June. So that's yeah. probably the timetable we're looking at. In that situation, the entry-level contract will only kick in for next season, which means he will be a restricted free agent in 2024.
1: Yeah, I, my assumption is that he will go to the tournament and the Rangers will sign him uh, mid-summer. I think makes yeah. most sense for him. Yeah. Um, and then you yeah, there's no out.
0: rush. There's no rush. His rights only expire in 2022, so there's no pressure on the Rangers to get it done before yeah. a specific date this summer.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I never, I never really expected um, Niels to even be considered for this season. Um, should it be a short playoff stint or anything along those lines? So, yeah, I think next season is when we're hoping to see Niels actually. Um, on Broadway, because I do not foresee him having much playing time in the AHL, and you can yep. probably attest to that big time.
0: The spot that was vacated by D'Angelo has been filled by some random guys that won't be there again next season, like Brandon Smith, Anthony
1: Batetto, Jack Johnson, that, and, and yeah, exactly, and they're all going to be gone. So,
0: yeah, uh, well, <laughs> Boteto they might still have if Seattle doesn't claim him in the expansion draft. Sure, but. Neil Slanquist, it, it's his spot to uh, to lose. So uh, in, in for next season, uh, on the right side you have Fox and That third spot will be Neil Slanquist unless something really crazy happens. I don't foresee that. Um, I don't foresee any scenario where Neil Slanquist is not on the starting roster on opening night.
1: And how does that make you feel? How does that make us? I should say. I'll even ask myself the same question for the upcoming season. Um, as entertained as this year has been at, at times, especially over the past couple of weeks with um, some resurgence from this Rangers club, um, having Kratsov Miller and Lundqvist um, all potentially being in the lineup every single day starting next season. How does that make you feel? Um, well, it makes me feel happy and sad
0: at the same time, I guess it's bittersweet um, for you. It's bittersweet seeing them leave Europe, but at the same time, I'm happy that, that they, that they go. I mean, it almost feels like my kids are going off to college. You know, it's, mm-hmm. you know I've, been, I've been traveling around, especially with Lundqvist. I've traveled all over the world to, to watch him play. I've interacted with his family countless times. Uh, I've spoken to his teammates. I've spoken to uh, his sister, his grandpa, his father. I've spoken to Lulia team management several times about him. You you're know, practically that they, his uncle. They,
1: sorry? I said you're practically his uncle. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a. Little, yeah,
1: well, I, I, am, I am sixteen years older, so technically
0: it would not even be possible. But you know, um, <laughs> I've I've interacted with him several times. I've done some interviews with him um, that people have probably seen when I share those on Twitter. Uh, it's been fun to to watch his progress. But that, that 2018 draft is looking like a uh, like a pretty good draft for the Rangers moving forward. You know, you have Krafzov, Lundqvist, and Miller in the first round. You have Payunemi in the fifth round. Uh, then you have Simon Schelberg and Riley Yu still in college in the sixth and the seventh round. Uh, Joey Keen, who they traded for Julian Gautier, who's yep. now in the lineup. That's 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 a pretty solid piece to have. The only two picks that you could argue are a bit of a dud are Jakob Braknasom, who plays in the Swedish second tier of hockey and isn't really doing much. And Olaf Lindbaum, but he's a goalie. He's only twenty years old. So there's still room to improve. They still have two years to make up their minds if they want to sign him or not. But that twenty eighteen draft could, could go down in history as one of the best for the Rangers.
1: Yeah, and that's fantastic when you look back because there were there were plenty of controversies after that draft. Um, for me personally, I felt pretty good. Um Nils, Obviously, there was um, a little bit more of a risk just because he was just getting started in his SHL career. We didn't necessarily know what to expect. We see an undersized defenseman that has a lot of possible upside when it comes to his offense and his hockey IQ, but still had a lot of proving to do. Um, But to see how everything shaped up, and really, that was the start of the rebuild outside of 2017 between Hedl and Leas. Mm-hmm. This was like, okay, now we're really getting indulged with it. Not like we're just um, trading to get these draft picks like um, with Arizona to yeah. get Leas eventually. So it's it's crazy looking back. I feel like that was just yesterday already. And now we're going to have all these guys in the lap sooner than later. So that makes yeah, me really it was, excited.
0: It was the first draft after the letter was sent out to fans. Yeah. Um, and it was a draft where we ended up with some additional picks uh, in the Ryan McDonough and Rick Nash trade. And, you know, I keep going back and forth on which trade I like the most for the Rangers, the Zibanejad trade or the Rick Nash trade. But, yeah, you know, the Zibanejad trade gave us a legitimate first-line center. But if you look at the Rick Nash trade and what that turned into, uh, you know, you used the first-round pick and a second-rounder to trade up. and. You get Keandre Miller. You get Ryan Spooner, who you then becomes Ryan Strom. Flip for Ryan Strome, and all of a sudden you have uh, a top pair defenseman in <laughs> Ryan Lindgren, a second line center in Ryan Strome, and a second pair defenseman in Keandre Miller coming out of a trade for a guy who retired six weeks later.
1: I know. Yeah,
0: that's a pretty good deal. Uh, you know, they also got Matt Bilesky, of course, and a seventh round pick, which that was
1: a salary jump, though.
0: That's that awful. was yeah. The seventh-round pick, they ended up trading to the Carolina Hurricanes, I think, or they traded elsewhere. Anyway, they uh, I think they traded the seventh-round pick to Carolina, and they, they got a an earlier pick, the one in 2018, that they used for Riley Hughes, who's still in college. He just finished his uh, his sophomore season. Um, so that, that trade just, just was one of the, tr- the trades that set up this rebuild. Uh, and then a year later, you trade Matt Zuccarello and Kevin Kevin Hayes at the deadline. Um, and now you see, slowly you see these pieces come into play. You know, you have Keandre Miller in the lineup. Uh, Vitaly Kroftsov is going to make his NHL debut soon. Nils Lundqvist is coming over this summer. Um, you have Matthew Robertson who's already on the contract. You have, um, um, who was the guy this year that they drafted? Um, yeah this year
1: um yes oh schneider they in the third round um oh uh berard no no uh
0: oliver tarnstrom
1: really? oliver oh, tarnstrom okay
0: um the third round pick from the zuccarello trade you know they just keep adding these pieces to the rebuild and we're slowly seeing what this team is becoming but in the meantime you know they're playing attractive hockey the last week with Noplog behind the bench has been fascinating, um, has been interesting, um, and yeah, I've, I mean, I I never in my life expected to send out a tweet with the words "since Wayne Gretzky" involving a New York Ranger, but that's what happened last week.
1: And I think, and I think that's a great way to um, really settle in. What is the recap for the past week of the Rangers? Well, let's dive right into it, shall we? Uh, basically, in a nutshell. Philadelphia Flyers, um, not the greatest matchup for them once again on their side of things because it seemed like it was just more and more of the past week and a half or so when the Rangers blew them out 9 nothing. This time it ends up being 8 3, but it was definitely led by now the Flyers' daddy and yes, Mika Zabanjad. Six more points. Another hat trick. And the first, and you can lay out the stat regarding Wayne Gretzky here in a second, but just another phenomenal performance. And a week where, as I summarized with the other games here, shortly, Artemi Panarin was basically non existent on, the, on mm-hmm. the score sheet. because Zamanjad at least stepping up. Well, it'll be nice to have them both kind of clicking at the same time here. But Zamanjad, he's back. It's evident when you get two games in a span of eight days where you get at least six points against the same team, going a natural hat trick. By all means, I I don't know how how you can even fathom the thought of that happening for Zabanajad, who looked like he was having by far the worst season of his career since becoming a New York Ranger.
0: Yeah, he had a really slow start to the season, and everything has been said about that already. But the last two weeks have seen the resurgence of Mika Zabanajad. Unfortunately, in fantasy hockey, I was playing against my girlfriend last week, and she had Mika Zabanajad on her team. So I was royally screwed. Um, That's <laughs> the way though, you get screwed over, I guess, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, I, if I have to lose, I'd rather lose to her, I guess. No, but uh, that game, a natural hat-trick, again, uh, three assists, again. And uh, I looked it up. Six-point games are not as uncommon as I thought before I started researching. But um, since 1979, there have been 202 NHL games with a six-point performance. Um, Zubanija did it twice in eight days, which is impressive. Um, and then I was just curious, you know, when was the last time a player did it twice in eight days, a six-point game? And I had to go back all the way to December nineteen eighty four. Wayne Gretzky uh,
1: did it twice in five days. He had two six-point games five days apart. And, and that's and that's like, obviously, it's prime Wayne Gretzky. But that's like right, really, as. Just he wasn't even in the league that long at that point. Like that's perfect. That's like that was was like
0: four years into the league,
1: but exactly.
0: Um what astonished me even more about that is that seven days later he had another six point game. He had three six point games in the span of twelve days.
1: Wow. (laughs) <laughs> not all that surprising though. <laughs> like when you think about who the, who the man is exactly.
0: There are, there are hockey stats and then there are Wayne Gretzky stats.
1: Yeah. And, you um, have to keep them separate because the, you yeah, know, it, our, our analytics self are just, it's not, we're not yeah. going to even try to comprehend. The I idea
0: was, I was researching this and I always try to find something that you don't really see on the broadcast or a stat that you don't really see the Rangers tweet out. You know, the, the easy one is, Oh, let's see. If someone has scored six points twice against the same team in, in in one season, right? But I was just curious about the time span, so I, I looked into that one, and I was quite excited when I saw, oh, okay, first since Wayne Gretzky in 1984. I was born in 1984, so that that's, that stat was uh, yeah was was special. But a three after a nine nothing win over them the week before, um, it's just it's amazing and. And I keep coming back to what we discussed last week. You know, this team looks different with Chris Knobloch behind the bench. There's something mm-hmm. different about them. There's something about them skating around, not being afraid to make mistakes. They don't look stressed out. They don't look nervous out on the ice. And they were they were ready from, from the first minute until the last they were ready.
1: Well, um, I, I think, I'll go ahead.
0: Yeah, they of course they beat the Sabers. Uh, on was it Monday?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because we, this is, we're our recap is following that Sabers game. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So they they beat they beat
0: the the Sabers and then the Flyers. Uh, the eight three game, um, on Saturday the Flyers actually came out. You know, I, 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 uh, the way I expected them to.
1: Actually, it's um, structure
0: they had some structure, they had some decent defense and their score sheet didn't look like a golf, uh, like a, like a scoring card from the golf course for once, you know, with all their defensemen being minus six and minus five. and yeah. minus four, Tiger Woods would be proud. Um, mm-hmm. But the Flyers were actually keeping up with us on Saturday and, and, you know, they ended up winning that game two one, a fluke goal by, uh, by Moran. Yeah. Who was referred to as moron by Steve Vellicat during intermission, which was pretty funny. Um, yeah, I mean, you cannot win them all, but it, the structure that the team showed with Chris Knobloch behind the bench was refreshing. Um, and, and then Sunday, yesterday, um, we played the second of a back-to-back against the Washington Capitals, and David Quinn's behind the bench. He's back, and I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. You know, I post a joke here or there on Twitter about, uh, guess who's back? And um I'll be honest with you, after after the first two periods, I switched off my TV. I didn't even watch the third period. I just I when I heard that Lafreniere played four minutes through the first two periods, um I was like, Oh my god, we had two weeks on the block where you know the lines were the same. Yeah, the ice time wasn't really distributed evenly but at least the line combinations were the same. You know, the line combinations you saw in the third period were the same that you saw in the first period. Correct. There was structure to the team. And then yesterday, Quinn's behind the bench, and all of a sudden I see uh, Brendan Lemieux with Kevin Rooney, and, and, and I'm like, oh, my God, here we go again. It's, it's just it's the same stuff. And I, just, I, I, I decided to, uh, to watch a documentary on an Australian serial killer, it was less stressful than what <laughs> you hey, wait, 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 wait. wait.
1: So I understood you were a little frustrated with the laughter in your ice time. I didn't think you were that frustrated. Come on. <laughs> I, I, watched, I watched documentaries when,
0: when I want to relax, and, and I watch documentaries on everything. But in this uh, case, no, no, was... nothing
1: relaxing like the Australian slasher. Oh, that's. Nah, that's, that's Ivan I Malat, in case anyone's
0: interested. He, okay. uh, he murdered some backpackers in the 80s. Anyway. Um, I, I re watched the third period uh, this morning, you know, just to watch to see the goals and you know, it was nice that they that they had a strong comeback. I wish they just didn't have to. They were so flat the first forty minutes. The first and second period they came
1: out. They they looked nothing like the team I'd watched the the, the two weeks prior. And let me and let me hold you there because that's a great question. Did we see the Rangers have two flat periods to that same extent during the entire time Knobloch was as coach. I don't really think so. No. Yeah. Even when they had the lack of scoring in the set in the third game against the Flyers where they lost the night before, it wasn't to the same level. And I get it. Mm-hmm. Look, they're playing it back to back, right? You're not going to be stellar each night. That's perfectly fine. I'm sure that was all a factor into it. But yeah, you're right. They were dead. It just it seemed like the soul will suck out of them a little bit. You know, they were only having seven shots as they were, I think there was what, six minutes left in the second. It was atrocious what they were doing. Like nothing offense non-existent. Um, The goaltending definitely wasn't terrible at times. um, But if you go back here to the first game of this past week, since recapping, going back to the A3 game, like between taking advantage of the opportunities given you because of just how poor defensively the structure was for the Flyers, Rangers just did not skip a beat. They looked like a team that had the confidence where it's like, yeah, we know we're better than you. We're going to continue to beat you down. We're not even going to give you the lay of day to try to come back in this thing. Don't get me wrong. Igor was stellar. He gave up three goals in his first appearance back, but he also had over 40 saves. He was strong. Adam Fox, who is the star of the week in the NHL right now, first star of the week, had five assists in that game. Phenomenal. Ryan Strom, four points. He continues to produce. He, with- leads,
0: he leads the team in points, Ryan Strom, by
1: the way. And yeah, we have, we can expand on him a little bit because that's huge. All right. For don't get me wrong, I critiqued Ryan Strom just as much as anyone else um, at times this past year. But I'm I'm so happy to be swallowing my own words at the end of the day, you know, because all we want as Ranger fans is it's is to see the Rangers that are currently in the lineup succeed. Okay, If you're not going to su- succeed and you're getting more credit than you're deserving, we're going to call you out for it. But Ryan Strom has kind of been polar opposite, and when only half of his points, not even, are contributed from Artemi Panarin. So it's not like you can make that argument that, oh, this is all bread, man. It's mm-hmm. not. It actually isn't this year, and that's something that's really standing out to me with the increased role he's getting and actually solidifying himself as a number two. So that was great. But then when you get on to the um, – the second game, yes, there really wasn't much offense there. It is what is. The, I, I didn't expect the Rangers to do completely sweep the Flyers all season or anything like that. But it's, Cowboys, it's also
0: really, really difficult to follow up a game where you score eight goals. Oh, of course.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you can score at least half that, that's that's beyond expected. Yeah. Um, you know, no one expected the Rangers to go from nine to then eight. Like, let let's be real, though. That that was just one of those things where it's like, we're gonna just keep pushing. You know, Flyers yeah. simply couldn't get over the last game against them, it seemed um but then they regrouped and then in this past game against the Capitals you're right it just they looked dead David Quinn behind the bench again and it leaves you wondering okay how much of a factor was that well Alexi Lafreniere if you take a look at his ice time he had a total of just around 8 minutes in the Sunday game against the Capitals the game before that with Knoblock still as the actual you know interim head coach had 11 he's been fluctuating with his ice time all season we know this and you're right during Knoblock's stint He really relied more on the veterans. The third line got playing time, but it really wasn't all that existent other than gain some more increased time between one of the two Ranger blowout wins against the Flyers. But it was nice to see at least that in the third in that game, they lost 5-4, but they were losing 4-0 the Rangers, and they came all the way back. Colin Blackwell on his birthday on Sunday. Happy birthday to Blackwell. He scores two goals on his birthday, 7th and 8th of the season. And then you get other guys contributing, including Alexi Lafreniere, um, who had a nice goal. I believe if my memory is not mistaken, it was either on a pass or a rebound. Beautiful shot, and that was in. And it was nice to see him contribute. Gauthier um, is continuing to uh, produce. He had an assist, but he's another one. Seven minutes the other night when – Everything was going wrong for the Rangers. So you think, okay, maybe it makes sense to Quinn give more ice time to the the youngsters because the vets aren't producing. Um, But then you look at the game before that, nine minutes. The game before that, even farther, was around 13, but that was because of the blowout because then before that, again, it was just a little minutes. Gauthier has been a guy that has not – Gauthier has not been given nearly enough uh, playing time, in my opinion, all season long. We've talked about this plenty um, with you know, Kratsov now in the mix that we'll be talking about shortly, and all these other winners. It's like, why are you not giving him enough opportunities, in my opinion? This is a make-or-break year for him. What are you going to do with him going into you know now the expansion? What are you going to do with that? If you're going to keep him great, then how do you go about next season with him? Because when you look at the depth and the wings, there is virtually no room for him unless you give him enough opportunities to prove himself. And, yes, I know he hasn't been stellar every game. He's, he's gotten some stupid penalties, but we've seen all those flashes of him, which are very Kreider-esque in a lot of ways as a righty. I just think he deserves more of a leash that he's been given, and that's probably frustrating me quite a bit. Along with Alexi Lafreniere, your first overall pick, you only give him four minutes through the first 40, and then you give him a total eight in a game where you literally did not do anything until – the third period. And when you did, uh, one of those goal scorers was Alexi Lafreniere to keep it close. So what is your initial stance just in a nutshell again on that final game this past week? And then we'll expand from there.
0: Um, Look, I, I have been one of Quinn's biggest critics
1: the last couple of weeks. Um, I think we all have to an extent It's it's not like we want to be.
0: I, I was critical of him. Um, like at the start of the season, I didn't like the way he, and I've brought this up several times you know, the line juggling, you know, the, the moving players up and down the lineup. It annoys me so much because when I look at players like Tim Stutzler and Nils Hoglander in, in Vancouver, um, you know, they are paired with two line mates and they stick with it. Win or lose, they stick with the lines. And Every time this team concedes a goal it's like he's itching to press a button and change something and it reminds me of of someone at the casino you know at the roulette table yeah we said who, this last time who changes his his bet every time he loses um there's just no structure, and, and that's my biggest concern. Yes, the ice time is bothering me a little bit. Well, what bothers me more is the lack of structure on this team. Um, I've seen Kako play with almost anyone on the team this season. Same with Lafreniere. He's been up and down the lineup, left wing, right wing, first line, second line, third line, fourth line. Julian Gauthier goes from scoring a goal to being a healthy scratch, being back in the lineup to getting an assist, being a healthy scratch again. There's just – the decision-making, it's, it's baffling at times. But I would never be one of those people who says, fire Quinn. I don't think you should fire Quinn. I think what Quinn and the Rangers management should do here is sit down with Chris Drury and Chris Knobloch and your your assistant captains, Jacob Truba, Chris Kreider, Mika Zibanejad, or Tammy Panarin, You know, with your with your leadership group, sit down at a table and talk about, hey, guys, I was gone for 10 days or two weeks. I was gone for two weeks. Tell me what was different and what changes or what things that were different did you consider, did you experience as a positive change? Try to learn something from it, because. I, I keep hearing, yeah, Quinn was still in control. Quinn was still, uh, uh, you know, Quinn was still making all the, the, the lineup decisions, this and that. Yes, that's true. But comparing it to my own life, you know, when I'm on, on vacation, someone takes over from me at work and my team that report to me then have to report to someone else, even though I am still in charge. Technically, I'm I'm half a world away in New York for two weeks. It's still different because I'm not there in the building telling them what to do. No, it's my replacement, temporary replacement during my absence who's telling them those things. And that's different. There's no other way to look at it. I don't, I don't believe the whole story like, oh, no, it's, it's, it's all the same. It's not the same because there's a different guy behind the bench. There's a different guy in the locker room as they walk in. There's a different guy who, who talks to them during a timeout. It's different. And what the rangers need to do here is they need to have a long, hard look at what was different the last two weeks and what they can change to implement that and 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 learn from it. It doesn't matter what job you do. It doesn't matter, you know, uh, in what field you work. It doesn't matter how high your salary is, what level you are, what responsibilities you have. Everybody in in any job can learn from from past experiences, everybody can learn from others. The, what the Rangers need to do here, they need to sit down and talk about the last two weeks, and just talk about, you know, how did this happen? How do you, how do you, how do you win nine nothing against the Flyers? Yes, the Flyers' defense was bad, but you know, you win eight three against them the following week, and you beat the Sabers five three, and you beat the Capitals three one. Something was different about this team. Not even looking at the wins, something was different about this team. The, Even the in their losses, teams,
1: until Quinn came back, they they were not losses where I felt, oh, this team was absolutely defeated. And that this was, was the takeaway.
0: Yesterday's game was the first game since Quinn's last game where we gave up five goals,
1: and that and that should be telling. And I get it that you have Kincaid in that he's not the most stellar guy, but when you have a Georgiev that's been struggling, um, and an Igor that you're obviously not going to have doing a back to back or anything like that, it's it doesn't. What I don't I just don't understand how much coincidences we need to have until you get a real reality check. Luckily, this is the first of a coincidence. Hopefully this isn't a trend, you know, where we see everything kind of going back to what it was prior to Quinn being on the COVID protocol, because Mm -hmm. if it is, then hello, Jeff Gordon, John Davidson, they're I'm sure they've already had discussions, but it would be a further discussion to have while this is Jeff's pick might add who brought in David Quinn. It's like, okay, wow, we are really back to our old ways, kind of like our main issues that we had earlier in the season. A team that isn't a rebuild but lacks the idea of being in a rebuild, lacking the structure that you're going to have on every given night. And I also want to throw out out here um, this quote, um, getting into Kratsov, because we'll be talking about him shortly uh, after the Lemieux news. um, But I just want to say how Quinn was quoted recently – regarding Kratzov and how he just said hello to him for the first time in practice, you know, arriving with them and saying how, you know, we'll see what happens when he's in the lap. He's like, uh, he said something along the lines of, yes, we'll have um, him in uh, when we think he's able to contribute. And when we do, you know, we'll have him in at some point, um, like to help this team um, when we feel the times, right. But my initial stance, just of what he said there. And again, that wasn't word for word. So don't quote me on this exactly, but My point was, is this is a team in a full rebuild, why would that even be the approach? I get it. You're trying to have a winning mentality, a winning structure. You're pushing for playoffs, which definitely helps the development of younger players. But the mentality that a coach that was brought in for a full rebuild is having this year does not coincide with the belief of a rebuild in the sense of having Lafreniere, having Gauthier, and even Kako being poorly used in more ways than one. And again, you're not blaming everything on the coach. I'm fully aware of that. These players have to produce. They have to do their own thing at the end of the day. But there's a confidence issue that is cur- obviously aligned with David Quinn to an extent, not just with his own coaching, but with how the players react to him. You know, If you're not getting a good dialogue, for all we know, between Lafreniere or Kako or whoever it's going to be with the head coach that's trying to help this rebuild, you're only going to get so far. So to see Knobloch come in, and as you point out, too, where you have a team that, yes, they're being structured the same way. David Quinn isn't there, but, yes, he gave all the game notes, all that. But as we were talking before this, uh, before us recording this, for people that didn't see it, my stance was, yes, if I'm a worker and say you're gone even though you're the boss and someone comes in interim, I'm not going to have the same mentality. I can tell you that personally from every time that I've worked somewhere. It's a different look, especially if you have a boss that maybe you're not on the best side with maybe you're just always tense around them because you're worried if you slip up the slightest thing, that's going to be a detriment to you failing your job being fired. Or in case of a firing, this will be a healthy scratch. Take Julian Gauthier that he knows he's been on, on the, uh, you know, really tense about all season long, how it's definitely in the back of his head constantly. If you have that taken away, odds are you're going to feel a little bit more relaxed. You're going to feel comfortable and try to just be your best. You, I feel like we saw more of the best individual performances from a player standpoint and from a confidence standpoint, during Knobloch's reign than we ever did with Quinn this season, which is awfully concerning in my opinion. And I'm not trying to jump the gun. I'm not trying to get too mm. far ahead. But those were really evident to me, even in their losses, versus the losses that they've had with Quinn all season long.
0: Yeah, and and I think the contrast of going from what we've seen now to the game yesterday, and I know it was a back-to-back and I know that teams on the second game of a back-to-back usually don't perform as well as they can. Yes, I get that. But it's not that we were that we were outplayed. We just it's like the team didn't show up. And I've brought this up in the past. You know, first game of the season, first game after the bye week, first game after the all-star break, first game of, of the the qualifying round. Every time the first game, this team looks flat. Every time Quinn is behind the bench for the first time, this team looks like they just don't get the memo. And it's just too easy to say, yes, but it's the player's fault. And there has to be more to it. And that's why I'm saying the Rangers should take a long, hard look at the situation and try to assess what the difference is and it might not be easy but it's still it, I would much rather have a situation where Quinn learns from this and move on than to have a situation where you fire the coach because I think Quinn is a good coach. I don't think he's the perfect coach for the for the situation the Rangers were in in 2018 but you know that's a different discussion. But if Quinn can adjust, just like players have to adjust. And we talk about how players have to grow, how players have to evolve how they have to, you know, work on their game. The same thing goes for coaches. Coaches also have to work on how they approach the team, how they approach certain individuals. I have to do that at work too. I'm not the same person now that I was four years ago when I started in my current job. I relocated to Austria for a job, which I loved, but I've learned a lot over the last four years. And I do a lot of things differently now today than I did them four years ago. And I did that because people gave me feedback. People told me, maybe you can focus on this. Maybe you can try a different approach when you're talking about this. I'm pretty sure these conversations happen in every organization. And I'm pretty sure this conversation happens within the Rangers organization. But now it's so obvious that that things are different with, with a different guy behind the bench, even though Quinn is still in control, even though he is still the guy making the lineups when Knobloch was behind the bench he didn't mess with the lines when we were down when we were trailing and we we were you know we lost 2-1 to the capitals um we lost 2-1 to the flyers with Knobloch behind the bench he didn't panic he didn't all of a sudden start changing lines no he stuck with it and i think that and this is just my observation maybe i'm completely wrong here but the lack of tweaking in the lineup, I feel, gives players more confidence
1: because I was just going to say that. Took it out. They don't the out.
0: fear that every little mistake is going to cost them.
1: Yeah, micromanage
0: is a huge problem. You know? imagine how Julian Gauthier must feel in that five-four loss against the uh, overtime loss against the Flyers. You know, you score a beautiful goal, but then you also have a high sticking penalty against, and the next game you're a healthy scratch.
1: Yeah. It's, it's literally, you're toying with life and death. I feel it kills for like your a comfort. lot of these younger players, you know, that's, the, that's the approach given to them. So when you have uh, a situation now where it's going to be knoblock, where he lets them roll, even if they're losing by deficit, whether it's smaller bit going into the third period, right. Even though it seemed like it was just small during his brain. Um, the players are naturally going to resonate that well and build a confidence because you're actually showing some confidence in them. Mm-hmm. In my mind, Through a rebuild, that's something that you definitely want to try to instill as much as humanly possible. Again, it is important to have a winning mentality and to try to make playoffs. It will help this player's development. But it is also just as important, if not more, to do all those little things also that help build in. You need to have both of them. It shouldn't be one or the other. And that's what I feel like we're seesawing with. Very Mm -hmm. similar during our time with Elaine Vigneault as a head coach for the Rangers. When the Rangers were in a playoff now mentality, perfect. First year with the Rangers takes them all the way to the Stanley Cup finals. They fall short, but they exceeded expectations and really fell off of emotions a little bit, given St. Louis and his mother, and that's a different story. But my point is, since then, there were, everything kind of started to tread downward with AV because he was not a coach that was willing to adapt. And as the team was going more so into a rebuild, he was a guy that simply could not handle developing talent, at least not with the Rangers. But now when you have David Quinn, who, yes, does not have that kind of bias that a seasoned vet like Elaine Vigneault would as a longtime NHL head coach with a very strong resume, even though he doesn't have a reign under his belt. You know, Quinn should be as adaptable as any in the NHL when it comes to being a part of a coaching staff. He doesn't have the right to be stubborn. He hasn't deserved the right to be stubborn. He hasn't influ- He hasn't given a structure that's going to say, wow, okay. Like a Mike Babcock, and I know he's a very controversial guy, but Babcock is just an example. You know, Barry Trotz, all these different legend head coaches, right, arguably, that have instilled very similar systems throughout wherever they land, but it has tremendous success, and that's why they kind of stay stubborn because they know what works and what doesn't, even in today's NHL. David Quinn does not know, nearly to the same level as these other guys. So when you do have Nabok come in, And perform it is something to reflect on and learn to adapt to he does not have any right to do something otherwise because he has not proven himself here as a consistent nhl coach at the level he's definitely helped at times but just like the team in a rebuild he himself is part of that rebuild growing together and normally a negative and a negative or positive and positive they don't go together like that so it's going to be up to him at the end of the day if he's going to be willing to stop trusting his gut what worked in college isn't going to work every day here in the NHL level with these constant line changes. We're constantly feeling on edge. I think it reflects on the players. They know that very well. I feel like his kind of personality, his demeanor towards games is really coming off on the players, but in a negative light. Um, that's been more relevant that I've seen this year than definitely in years past. Last season was a very different feeling for me this season. I'm not loving the vibes I'm seeing more often than not. So that's just my stance in a nutshell on the latest David Quinn, you know, knoblock debacle, however you want to call it. Um, but I also just want to add one more thing, too, before we transition into Brennan Lemieux here. Um, and that is the leaders for the past week for the Rangers in point production. So, as I said, Adam Fox was the first star of the week for the NHL. Absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. Eight points and only three games for Foxy. He's been a stud. Is, by the
0: way, he is third among defensemen in points in the league.
1: Yes. So, that Norris caliber type defenseman that needs to put up, you know, on average, staying at normal 82 game season. 40, 50 points. He's right on that pace as it is in a short mm-hmm. season. So take that as you will guys for thinking that he can't be Norris. Maybe it isn't as far fetched as we initially he's, thought. He's
0: fourth in the league in points
1: per game, just behind
0: Kel McCarr, who missed a bunch of games, of course.
1: Yeah. And Zvan had seven points. So he's second uh, with the team. And then Stromer, Ryan Strom continues to produce six points in the past three games. And then if you look at the Rangers special teams, that was both a positive and a negative for them in these three games. They were five for 13 on the power play, which was towing out to right around 38.5%. But then you get onto the penalty kill that kind of hurt them, especially during the flyers gave up a couple power play goals in both those games. Uh, They were three for nine on the PK, which was 33.3%. So I know small sample size, but definitely one of the not nearly as strong weeks for the Rangers on the penalty kill versus your uh, weeks prior here in the season. But yeah. I think this is now a perfect time to transition into Brendan Lemieux, something that I don't think anyone expected. I know that you saw the trade late just I was seeing your activity on Twitter. I don't think you saw it for at least a couple hours. But Brendan Lemieux, out of nowhere, I wasn't even in town, so it's not like I could make a video on it or anything, um, was traded the LA Kings for a 2021 fourth-round pick. Um, did not expect this, i got to be honest with you. Maybe something towards a deadline, but what's your initial stance on Lemieux going? Um,
0: something had to give um, Kraftsov being added to the lineup in the next couple of days something uh, someone had to go um, the other option was to put someone on waivers um, but with how they have been playing Rooney and Blackwell would probably have been claimed if they if they go on waivers now Howden and Gauthier are still young with cost-controlled years, so they might be claimed as well. Um, so then your only option is if you don't want to lose them for nothing, did you trade someone? Um, Brandon Lemieux, to me, was an obvious candidate because he didn't really do much for the Rangers this season. The perceived physicality that a lot of fans see in him, I didn't see it. Um, he... He was the most penalized ranger this season um, by a margin. Um,
1: and he's usually a guy that does draw quite a few p- penalties, but not something that we've seen as relevant this year. Yes, and and I think overall,
0: if I would have to choose between Howden, Lemieux, Blackwell, Gauthier, and Rooney on who to trade first to make room, then Lemieux is probably the first one to go because I don't think he brings what a team needs. Um, You know, the Rangers, and this is, you know, we are in a situation where Kevin Rooney and Colin Blackwell, and also Phil DiGiuseppe have put management in a position where they can no longer ignore them. Correct. You know, it's not that Lemieux played so bad that he was off the team. It's just that he was outplayed by three other guys who were behind him in the pecking order when the season started. Yeah. On opening night, nobody would have put Blackwell, Rooney or Di Giuseppe ahead of Lemieux. No. Let's be honest. But three months later, not two, two months later, um, things have changed. And, they trade him to the LA Kings. They get a fourth-round pick, which I think is a fair trade. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the Rangers aren't a softer team without Lemieux. Um, I think Lemieux, losing Lemieux is not going to hurt this team as much as people think it does. Uh, Konechny slew footed uh, Zibanejad yesterday in the yep. game against um, again, or on Saturday. The game against the Flyers, and it was Pavel Bujnovic and Ryan Lindgren who stood up for him. It wasn't, it wasn't Brandon Lemieux. Um, so it's, he's not a guy I will miss. I understand that some fans like, really liked him and they will miss him, but this is this is, that's, that's what hockey is. I've seen my favorite players be traded throughout the years: Peter Nedved, Derek Broussard. Um, You know, it happens. Uh, The Rangers are not a worse team now without him. I think a fourth-round pick is a fair return. And a fourth-round pick, you know, you can get a decent player in the draft if you you do your due diligence, if you do your scouting well, and if you have a little bit of luck, of course, picking the right player. But I looked it up. In the NHL this season, 24 players drafted in, in the first round alone have outproduced Brendan Lemieux, and an additional seven are goalies with at least 10 games. first round did
1: you mean fourth round fourth round you know fourth round fourth round only
0: in the NHL this season
1: okay well I mean you're right I think this was a perfectly fine return when I saw it um I I wouldn't have expected any more anything more you know a third round Mm -hmm. pick I think would be stretching it we can all agree there um Lemieux is a player that I thoroughly enjoyed at times but not enough um I think that's the best way to kind of put our stance on real Lemieux Um, There were times where I really enjoyed him. I enjoyed his personality, the kind of spark that he tried to bring the Rangers. Um, Seemed like he had the potential to maybe try to become our own Tom Wilson to an extent, but would have to do a lot more working. Um, Lemieux definitely struggles a bit when it comes to his skating. Looks a little choppy out there more often than not. Uh, Really just doesn't do enough um, offensively. And at first it seemed like, oh, this is a big upgrade. I'll definitely take this over a Cody McLeod, a Tanner Glass. Finally, someone that's younger that has... Seems like it has that kind of competence to grow into a decent, you know, yeah. just a solid third liner that could bring you but something. He never, he
0: never took that next step, and he's five years old. And you know, you start to wonder: is he going to take that next step? And and if he can get a fourth-round pick for Brendan Lemieux, that's great. Brendan Lemieux is not a player that's difficult to replace in free agency
1: no not at all and uh, another appealing thing about him was of course his age when we acquired him you know he's a young kid only his early 20s at the time so it was kind of like building our own version of however you call it but and and it makes the decision
0: in the extension draft a little bit easier on who to who to protect
1: yes no of course it does because now that's one gone it's one less thing to worry about um so, in a nutshell, I thought it was fine. I wish Lemieux nothing but the best in L.A. I hope he thrives. You know, not, not a guy that I have anything personal against whatsoever. Um, so, it's, it's can just – He could be on the fourth line with Leah Henderson again. He very well could. You know, who knows? Maybe either that or they'll have some time in the Myers. Again, we'll see what happens. But I will say how it's interesting that, you know, the big the – big, the besties from last season and when it came to – you know, there were individual friend groups with every team – but it was Lemieux, Tony and Strom and going into the season with all these, all these guys being our phase, right? They all get signed to short-term deals. And you see in my mind, to an extent, I was always curious, how would one of those guys feel if the other one was gone or Dell? you know, How would that impact them? Because I know that they all were close. Those three were a very close bunch. So between Tony's situation happening and seeing Strom continue to thrive and actually seeing arguably the best game we've seen out of him yet, which is saying a lot. And now with Lemieux, it doesn't look like he's skipping a beat. I think that's telling more than anything that, strom is really becoming such a better pickup by the day than what us Ranger fans initially mm-hmm. expected even after having a career season alongside man on the second line with yesper fast on his right wing help about defensively um I that's just more of the positive that I see out of Ryan strom I just I think that the maturity level is higher than we thought um, with handling these situations because we all know as Ranger fans and will following the Rangers it sucks when you lose a you know, a best friend of a teammate. Look at Matt Zuccarello and Zuc. I literally have a life-size poster him in my room. He's well, He's been my favorite Ranger I, of all time. I, 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 favorite, of
0: I remember the triplets, Zuccarello, Broussard, and Hagelin.
1: Oh, and it was so entertaining. And when they broke up, it was like, wow, this sucked. Like, you could tell it hurt them, right? Yeah. Obviously. When Zuc got dealt, Hank was crying in the damn locker room. Who wants to see the king cry of all people? You know, like, these things naturally happen. It's part of the business, but I don't know. They're just, in my mind, it just – it's funny how a Lemieux trade and inevitably will be Tony uh, if either that or he gets cut because he won't be playing for the Rangers, as we know. You know, it's not rubbing Strom the wrong way. It's not impacting his game. And I, I know that that's not something that should happen for a professional, but like anyone else, we're all human. So I just honestly just another half off to Ryan Strom. I, I know it's short since he's been dealt, but I just I literally have no complaints with this man. And that's a tough thing to do especially for us Ranger fans who normally complain about things more often than not, even in a game where we won 9 nothing because we couldn't get double digits, right?
0: Speaking of Derek Broussard, he scored his first career head-trick last week.
1: I know. I'm very happy for him. He's thriving in a more increased role with Arizona. They did yeah. just a lot of bomb the barrel type moves this offseason because they have no money to work with. The whole fiasco with their previous GM in Chayak and oh, no, Arizona is oh, just – Quite and, frankly, a shit show. There's no other way to put it. So to Phil, see Phil, Russell,
0: Phil Kessel that. had a hat trick. He now has a hat trick for four different teams in the NHL.
1: And that's really cool. I've always cool. I've always loved Brass, even during his time with the Islanders. I was rooting for him during his time with the Penguin. It's crazy. Yeah. It feels like yesterday he was still on this club, and he's already been on many clubs, all teams, yeah. except for the Coyotes. I'm not necessarily a fan of, uh, but now I think is a perfect time to kind of Segue as we are getting closer to wrapping things up, let's talk about Vitaly Kratsov, shall we? Because this is supposed to be the week for him, right? As I alluded to earlier, Kratsov is with the club now. Lemieux is out of the way. There's one less barrier, uh, one less you know thing in the road for him to worry about cracking this lineup. Um, odds are he will probably start on the third line. I would love to see him in the top six right away. But again, if you're not going to give Alexi Lafreniere consistent time in the top six, what warrants Vitaly Kratsov being thrown in the top six right away, should he not blow them away in camp? So what's your initial stance on Kratsov at this point in time? And when do you think we will see his inevitable debut?
0: Um, Yeah, that right side is pretty crowded with Bujnevich, Kako, and Gautier already. Exactly. Um, Gauthier, who's still a rookie, by the way. I think we sometimes forget how how young he still is. Um, mm-hmm. He's still eligible for the Calder this season. Um, Gauthier didn't, <laughs> yeah, didn't really get a chance in the top six. I don't see yeah. Kravtsov getting that that chance either, unless Kako really goes out with injury or really plays a, a couple of really bad games, which I don't expect will happen. Yeah. Um, Kraftov will probably start on the fourth line, I think, and then he and Gautier will just swap. Um, unless, of course, there are some issues with the way he plays. Maybe this coaching staff things will think he doesn't play the right way. Um, you know, when Howden is back, you you're going to have a situation where something's gotta give. You know, yeah, we got rid of we traded Brandon Lemieux away. But if you look at our team now, you, you have the, uh, the at line, you know, Kreider, Zibanejad, at They the, the Strom line, Panarin, Strom, Kako. I think we can agree that that is our top six. That is our established top six, right? Now. Yeah. And then on the third line, you have Lafreniere, Hiedel. Uh And then either Gauthier or Kroftsov, I guess. And then the fourth line is Blackwell, Rooney, Gautier or Howden. And then you still have DG Seppi. You have 14 forwards and it's going to be tough for a young player to come into this team and play well enough to keep his spot on the team.
1: Especially with David Quinn as your head coach. Honestly. that's. I didn't want to say team. it,
0: but yeah, David Quinn is is the type of coach that, that it doesn't give players a lot of leeway. He doesn't give players a long leash with the exception of Brett Howden. Um, he doesn't really give, Julian Gautier.
1: Happy birthday, Brett Hound, by the way. I believe today's his birthday. Uh,
0: happy birthday for Brett Hound. Um, he doesn't really give young players the, the you know the, the time to make a mistake here or there. Um, he's very he's a very strict coach and uh, from, from what I've seen. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. It just can be frustrating for players. When when Gautier was interviewed after he was a healthy scratch, he's like, Yeah, I really don't know what how to respond to this when he was being asked questions. And it's tough for a young kid. And Kravtsov will probably have the same challenges that um, that Gauthier is facing. Um, the upside for Kravtsov uh, is that he does have uh, some Russians on the
1: team that he might be able to gel with. Um, uh, which could be more incentive to seeing him in the top six at some point that's my stance on it
0: I mean, if you know if if I'm the coach and it's this is not because of Kroftsov or because you know I, I like Kraftsoff but if you have a top 10 pick coming in i would I, I would much rather as a coach play him in the top six for a couple of games see what you have and if it doesn't work then you can adjust
1: correct what what's the harm in that? But this Please, season, tell me. <laughs> this season should not be about winning.
0: This season should be about developing your players so you can win the cup in two, three years.
1: My, and, you know, and, and that's something that you and I have both been preaching for a while now. And don't get me wrong, going into the season, I was under the impression that the Rangers again would either miss or just make playoffs, right? And I think it would be a huge issue if the Rangers missed playoffs, especially by a significant margin. You know, uh, I know it's a short season, but if my stance was that if the Rangers weren't on the same type of point production level that was either the same, if not better, than last year in a full 82, that there were some issues. Um, this year is up and down because of short year. the Rangers are still right out of a playoff spot. They lost twice over the weekend, so that doesn't mm-hmm. help their chances. But Again, we've said it so many times. Playoff experience is crucial. It's important. It helps the players' development, especially when you're young and are actually able to get the taste at the big stage. You're not yeah, going to have a team likely.
0: What also helps a player's development is Playing games, being allowed to make mistakes, and learning from those mistakes. Correct. Yeah. You and should not, not be
1: micromanaged constantly.
0: You're not going to learn from mistakes by being stapled to the bench for the last 10 minutes of the game because you tried to make a play and it didn't work. Um, the Chicago Blackhawks are in a playoff race. You know, they're in the hunt for the playoffs. They're playing Kirby Duck 20 minutes. I'm not asking for Kraftsov and Lafreniere to play 20 minutes, but. Well, why the, not? 13, 14 minutes shouldn't be, shouldn't be
1: that difficult, should it? But, but, but my point is, why not? Why, who gives a damn even if they play 20 minutes? Okay, maybe they have a couple really rough games, right? Maybe they look a mm-hmm. little out there. Maybe, just maybe, if you throw one of these damn guys on the first power play unit and try to balance things, when the Rangers do have a good shot of uh, getting a couple power plays a game, which goes right or, in hand with their lack of playing time, whether it's too many power plays or too many penalties mm-hmm. that they have to kill. That directly affects or, the youngsters. Here's an idea. Do what the Montreal Canadiens have been doing the last couple of weeks
0: and start the second unit when you have a power play. Why not? The Montreal <laughs> Canadiens in the month of March, since since uh, Burroughs took over the, their responsibility, their power play is first in the league, 36%. And Burroughs was interviewed and said, you know, sometimes I like to play the second unit because it gives you a different a different opportunity to see what they can do. And I'm just tired of watching the second power play unit getting fifteen seconds where they also have to start behind their own net because they only get to be put on the ice when when the opponent clears the puck. What's the harm in starting your second unit on the power play? Because okay. yeah, the last couple of the last couple of games, the power play has been clicking and we've scored some nice power play goals. But you and I still remember
1: the the six, seven weeks before that when it was absolutely horrible. Don't think that this short-term high is going to erase, you know, the majority of the season, you know, that still has that stank yeah. on it. You know, Look, well, if, if, if you have two power play, later of the year, then okay, that's a different story. But If you have two
0: power play that's that's units, good. use both. And yeah. I'm not saying it, it should be 50-50, but if you have guys like Zibanejad and Kreider out there on the ice for a minute already and there's a penalty being called, what's the harm in putting together a unit that's fresh because they come off the bench?
1: I think the best way to describe the, the current coaching staff with David Quinn on his approach this season is the Rangers are trying – the Rangers are pushing – they literally have the mentality of a team – that is supposed to be making playoffs with a with a lack a heavy lack of regard to the fact that that's the farthest thing from the truth. This is a team in a rebuild. Um, and again, those are things where you like to have qualities of both of those m- mindsets, but they're not combining. And it's something that needs to combine. Because um, don't get me wrong, I love 9 uh, nothing and 8-3 wins just as much as a next Rangers fan. But when you look at where those goal-scoring sprees are coming from, It's fantastic, but it's all your top six, Um, you know, and even in games where you're getting a blowout, you're still not letting, you know, just a youngster just cook like the entire third period. Why aren't you doing that? Like what? I just don't, again, there's certain things I will never understand. And as a Rangers fan a hockey fan, I will never understand them. You know, I'm not in the coach's perspective. I'm in the fan's perspective. I can try to break down things as much as I want, but it doesn't change the fact that from the eye test, this does not make any rational sense. And, especially when you have a coach who tries to break down the reasoning when he fluctuates with his reasoning for the same exact type of play or line change on a rather weekly basis, at least that's been relevant this season. It's hard. It's really hard to try to grasp what is truly going on here. So I think in a nutshell to wrap things up and we'll get onto our um, predictions for the remainder of the week of games for the Rangers is they have a tall task ahead. They're trying to push for playoffs but they have a young and exciting Vitaly Kratzov in the mix. They have Alexi Lafreniere. They have Capo Kako. They have guys that, yes, I don't expect them all to be fantastic, fantastic out of the jump. But it pisses me off, quite frankly, that if these were players with other organizations, they very well could have been dominant from the jump. And I think Alexi Lafreniere is a guy that, in my mind, would be to an extent. Just given how fantastic of an overall talent he is. We've seen the flashes of him. But it just—it looks like that you have like a um, a, a straight jacket around him. Uh, a lot of times, it just feels like he 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 lacks so much creativity and the confidence. You know, he wants to be such a team player when it's beyond what we should be gaining from him. We should see more of that personal, that individuality with his performance. Um, mm-hmm. That any team in a rebuild would be trying to do their best to get out of their young players. Like that—that's just my current outlook on things, and it will be yeah. until. I'm I'm proven otherwise talent wise
0: I this team reminds me a lot of the Chicago Blackhawks in 2010
1: yeah right before their run yeah but the way they're playing it
0: reminds me of the New York Rangers under Tortorella (laughs) yeah that's
1: not a good thing (laughs) that's just that's not a combination that works um and they're too far away from each other there isn't that middle when are we going to get that middle that's what I want to know
0: it's like it's like you're you're driving a, a Lamborghini
1: and you're trying to go off road with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it just like no, it's not how that works. You need a, a Jeep Wrangler or something that would make more sense. Not not a Lambo. I know it's pretty. I know it looks great on paper. Don't get me wrong, but it's not the style you know for what you're yeah. trying to do. And I
0: think that's that's the biggest issue I have with this team. And when Noblock was behind the bench. It just felt like he said to the players go out and play.
1: And that's what they did. Give them hell. Like seriously, what's the worst that's going to happen? We lose? You know, okay. Well, we're going to give our best effort until the end.
0: Let, let players do what they do best. And I feel that that David Quinn is a very is the type of coach that wants to that wants to conform players to a system instead of finding the best system to utilize those players.
1: Yeah, no, you're 100% correct. We've seen that week after week. And look, when Kako really started to turn on this season, when we saw some point production, even though it was short-lived, but seeing you know him be more consistent as a player, which just him actually be more relevant each game, that all went in hand when Quinn was quoted saying how, you know, now it's time for us to basically stop focusing on that with Kako and focus more on just getting like the best out of him as an individual player, give him a little bit more of a leash that that's basically on the lines of what he originally stated. I want to say maybe a month ago. Now it's been a while um, that looked great at first. It looks like it's died down since bed. Um, I feel like it's just been a lot of contradiction going on with, you know, our, our expectations and what the leader of this team and David Quinn is saying. And that is something that only time will tell if it fixes or not. We obviously hope it does. This uh, it sucks being so repetitive on saying that this is a constant Quinn bashing show. We don't want that to be. I can tell that everyone watching this right now. The last thing we, nope. the last thing we ever want is for our head coach or anyone within the organization to not perform well to cause these criticisms. No one wants this. We just want people to succeed. We want yeah. people to do their jobs right, and let's see the youngsters actually try to develop into something. I know you have to put the pressure on them too. Do not get me wrong. There are times where we have not seen nearly enough from Lafreniere, Kako, whoever it's even Heedle, plenty of these youngsters. We know this. But there reaches a there reaches a point in time where you have to try to find that balance of both, and we're still searching for it. So here's fingers crossed to hoping we see it start to kick up this week and that the Rangers don't hold their heads too much over a losing weekend in those back-to-back games. Um, but now I think is a great segue as we head into this upcoming week of schedule. So would you like to take away with the upcoming week, uh, upcoming week of games and give our predictions?
0: Um, you are playing home against the Capitals on Tuesday.
1: Do you think that's going to be Kratsov's debut? No. Okay.
0: And then we play in Buffalo on Thursday and Saturday.
1: So you think that Kratzov's debut won't happen as a home game? You think, it, in my mind, it makes plenty of sense if it's going to be but, Buffalo. But
0: I would, I would love for Kratsov to make his debut in Buffalo and score his first career goal in Buffalo, like Lafreniere and Miller did, and have three rookies score their first NHL goal in Buffalo. That would be amazing.
1: Um, so I think that could happen. Uh, Something was telling me awesome. that we might see it on, on Tuesday given it might be enough time to get um, for Quinn's eyes to actually see Kratsov in person. Maybe. Um,
0: um, but we're playing the Sabres twice. They have to end their losing streak eventually. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I they might look at this week with us. Who knows?
0: <laughs> All right. I'm going to go, uh, Quinn's behind the bench. One, two and oh.
1: one two and oh. Okay. And my, uh, we were both wrong with our predictions last week. We were feeling a little too confident in this club. Um, a little unrealistic. Yeah, this week I'm going to go 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Um, And we'll, we'll see. That's all I can really say. Uh, Kratsov, I, I, I think we're going to see him within the next two games. Um, again, I, I think I might just be slightly surprised if we don't see him until Buffalo. Because while it's a tall task against the Capitals, don't get me wrong, It almost feels like it would be just be a little bit more of a comforting thing to have him be his first actual game at home. Kind of let him get adjusted, even if he only plays a handful of minutes. And then when you go to Buffalo, really try to at least give him, like, you know, if we could see, what, 12, 13 minutes out of him, that'd be, I think, more than expected for um, this coaching staff right now.
0: Yeah. The other thing to, uh, to keep an eye on is the quarter eligibility, by the way. That's um, true,
1: because he can only play a certain amount of games.
0: If he wants to be eligible for the Calder next season, he can only play uh,
1: 17 games. And, and do you think the Rangers are going to actually prioritize that? Because I doubt it.
0: No. I mean, teams don't prioritize that over – like, if Kravtsov is good enough to contribute to this team, they're not going to sit him for five games just so he can win an individual trophy next season.
1: Yeah, but- it's not like Chris Kreider be- still being a – um rookie of the year nominee uh, I think, I think day, Chris
0: right? still eligible because he was eligible every freaking year. The first uh, of his entry level contracts. It's yeah. crazy. Um, no teams don't care about this, but for fans, it's, it's fun to look at, you know, I was, I'm disappointed that I didn't get to see a Ranger at least be in the conversation for the caller last season or this season. Um, when you have a first overall pick and a second overall pick and one of the best young goalies in the world in Chef Jorkin and one of the best young defensemen in the world in Adam Fox, and you don't even get a top three nomination for a Ranger for the Calder. That's just that's frustrating. But I will settle for a Norris Trophy for Adam Fox. Yeah. Although if I was a reporter, I would vote him in for the Vezina after that performance. Nah.
1: Oh, my. Yeah, look, we're not going to drag this too on, but yeah, Foxy, oh, my. He makes a beautiful left kick save, and then after that, he stops and goes trying to go around the net again. And he blocks one and then two, and he just stretches out. His body was completely on the right side. He stretches out with the stick, the left side. I believe he got that uh, the shot of Rick Shea on another open net. Yeah, man, Adam Fox, he, he, he holy, had a- holy hell, he
0: had more saves than Carter Hart for uh, uh, last week in Philly. It's-
1: Seriously, and I, it just—it's insane what he's doing because it's like yeah, it the biggest is. break for a while with Fox was like. He has all the tools. He's an absolute dynamo on this blue line. The offense is a little lacking though. You know, I think it will take a little bit. I We all felt the offense would, would come there, but he's now adopted the role that was Tony's and then some. So I'm honestly more curious for the inevitable um, friendly competition once Niels is with the club next year. You know, like Trubo, Trubo, we're not banking on offense for. That's been evident fairly quick. After coming off a fifty point year, that's why you shouldn't give an eight, you know, eight mil AEV contract to a guy coming off of a career year. But that's a different story. Um, I will say though, Niels is going to be interesting to me because, in a lot of ways, it really is like taking that Tony spot again. So, how much time is Niels going to have on the power play? Um, is he going to be paired with Fox here? We're going to see two righties there. Like, what are I'm curious how they're going to structure that next year. That's a discussion for another time. I'm, but I'm excited, I'm really excited for it.
0: Excited. I'm really. Excited. Excited to see Nils Lundqvist on the power play for 15 seconds at a time.
1: <laughs> Best 15 seconds of your life, right? <laughs> oh, okay, all right. Well, that, that's that's enough laughing for one time. Um, I think we hit everything today. Um, should be an exciting week of games for the Rangers. Hopefully, a positive one. And I think this is just a big week for Quinn once again. I felt like this whole season has been a big week for him, but this one especially. Um, if the Rangers come out positive, and we see more structure out of Quinn. That we don't see those desperate moves. That's um, the thing.
0: That is the thing. It's not about winning or losing. It's not it's about, about how
1: you win or how you it's lose. Not, it's
0: not even about ice time. I don't I don't mind if Lafreniere plays 12 minutes or 11 minutes.
1: That but I care about it. his structure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, want, I want Lafreniere to play with the same two guys every time he steps on the ice.
1: Let them build that comfort, comfortability and that confidence. You're, it's the very team difficult team. to get anywhere in this league if you don't have that.
0: The same way Tim Schwitzler plays with Drake Batherson and Josh Norris, I think.
1: Who, if that's the case, they're both great line mates, might might I add. Two very young and upcoming stars as well.
0: They they, they are great line mates, but they work together because they play together every game.
1: Correct. Um, and that's something that we should be seeing more and more often. Yeah. We should. And 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 Ho-
0: is with Horvath and Besser. Um, you know, put
1: put your Put your prospects in a position to succeed, and they will succeed. 100% Steven. Well, as always, great episode. Thank you all so much, Rangers fans, for chiming in. I hope you guys did enjoy. Um, Please let us know um, any feedback that you'd like to share with us. It really means a lot. And really looking forward to the next week. Hopefully next time we talk, um, we see at least one game of Vitaly Kratsov in the lineup and maybe even his first NHL goal. I know I'm probably pushing it there, but hoping for the best. As always, and let's go, Rangers. Let's go, Rangers.